would, if you have a Bible, uh, please turn it to Psalm 96. Um, if you don't have a Bible with you, we've got Bibles in these black chair pockets. You're welcome to borrow. And if you don't own a Bible, you're feel, feel free to keep that Bible. Um, that's why we have them there. We want everyone to have God's Word. So if you're not familiar with the Bible that much, Psalms is kind of right in the middle. If you crack it open, you'll be pretty close. You can also find it in the table of contents. It's in the Old Testament. We're turning to Psalm, oh, Psalm 67. Psalm 67. Um, and while you turn there, I just want to give you a little bit of an update on uh, the Honduras team that went to Honduras last week. Um, I know that I can speak for the 11 others who went when I say that we're glad to be with you this morning. We're so glad to see you and to be in the place where we love to be on Sundays. But we had a wonderful week. Um, and I will say that every moment was easy, that every, every situation was comfortable, um, but I think to a person, everyone would say that it was a really, really great week. Um, so if, if you didn't know we were gone, that's totally fine. I'll just give you a little quick background. We went, uh, 12 of us went to Honduras last week. We, we spent Friday to Friday with some friends and mission partners of ours, Joe and Belkis Denton, who live in a village just outside of Tegucigalpa, Honduras, and they run a ministry called Tree of Life, which its main purpose is they, they care for children in the nearby neighborhoods, um, kids that, that have families, but a lot of their family situations aren't very good, and so every weekend they open their doors to these kids to come, and they give them a warm meal, which they don't, um, some of them don't have all that often, and give them a Bible, a Bible program, play games with them, and just give them the kind of loving community that a lot of them don't have at home. Um, so Joe and Belkis do that, and also Belkis's brothers, Raul and Fernando, and they, I mean, the sacrifices they make are just incredible. They give basically all their time to this. Um, and along with caring for kids, they, they reach out to nearby neighborhoods with the gospel. They host short-term teams like ours. Um, they're in the process of opening their own school and their own orphanage. So they're busy. They're really, really busy, but busy for the gospel. So, so the team that went, we stayed in Joan Belkus's home, which is kind of up in the mountains, um, and, and every day we commuted down into the valley, which is where the ministry site is. And on the days when the kids weren't in school, we played with the kids, interacted with them, sang songs with them, taught them songs that we knew. Um, and on the days that they were in school, we helped out around the ministry site. So we kind of tidied up the place. There was another team coming the week we were there, so we tidied up. We helped finish a shower they were building and paint the inside of a latrine that they were constructing. We, um, we cleaned and cooked we did an outreach in a school nearby. Um, the guys spent a lot of time digging a massive hole in the ground for a septic, for a, a house they're building on the site. And Actually, we, we, we started calling it the hole, and by the end of the week, we were calling it the pit, which I think probably accurately describes the way we were beginning to feel about being that far down in the ground. Um, but I marveled. I just want, I want to encourage you by telling you that I marveled at the team from sunrise. The way that they, they did these hard, hot, dirty jobs with joy, with big smiles on their faces. Um, they eagerly pursued relationships with people that could barely communicate with because of the language barrier. The children and the people in the neighborhoods around, the, the staff with Tree of Life. And they really became a family on the trip. Not just just kind of among ourselves, but including Joe and Belkis and Raul and Fernando. I mean, God really did a work 
in this team, and I was so proud to be their pastor and to be, to be part of the team. And I think all of us were impacted by the work that God is doing through Tree of Life. We, have these, we saw these children who have these really difficult home lives coming out of poverty, in some cases abuse, and they just have these huge smiles on their faces because they're getting fed and they're being loved and they're learning about Jesus and they're singing songs and they're playing games. And, and this is the best part of their lives. Um, and, and we saw that the gospel is going out through these children. So one of the things that really struck me was the last day, um, we went, the teams went door to door in neighborhoods, kind of around where the ministry site is, giving people toothbrush, toothpaste, trying to share the good news with them. And, and while doing that, um, people learned that there were these two families that both said, oh, we've already trusted in Jesus, and they trusted in Jesus through one of the kids involved in the ministry. And so, so God is using Joan Belkis to bring these kids to faith, and he's using these children in their neighborhoods, in their communities, to draw others to Jesus. So we just praise God for what he's doing there. Um, and I wanted to be sure to encourage you so you could hear what God's doing there as well. Um, and I want to thank you, and I know that the people on the team want to thank you too. For those of you who were praying for us while we were gone, those who adopted members of the team and those who just praying for us, those who wrote us notes to encourage us while we were gone, you guys were true partners with us on the trip. And, and you should sort of feel free to, to own some of the harvest yourself, seeing that some of the things that we saw God do are because you were praying and caring for us. Um, but I want to ask a question as we transition to the Bible this morning. I want to ask a question related to the trip that we took. And the question is, why? Why did Joe Denton move from Alabama to Tegucigalpa, Honduras to care for kids? And why did his wife Belkis, who had a successful restaurant in town that she was enjoying outside of Tegucigalpa, why did she quit something she was really loving to do to marry Joe and become a missionary and care for kids? Why did a team from Sunrise, why did 12 people use their own vacation time and their own money to go dig in a hole and clean a floor and paint a latrine when they could have used the same money to go somewhere and lie on a beach and get a reliably hot shower every day? Why, why do people, why do we go when we could stay? Why, why does missions exist? And we're going to see one answer to that question, maybe the main answer to that question in Psalm 67. So, if you have your Bible open, you can look at verse 1 and just follow along with me as I read. If you don't have an open Bible, this should be on the screen behind me. This is God's word. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Will you pray with me? Our Father, we um, come to you again this morning. We're needy. We're needy for what you alone can give, which is 
grace, which is more of yourself, which is insight into your word, which is uh, changing our hearts so that we live according to it and live more in the good of what you made us for. God, we, we come here and we are empty and we long for you to fill us. And so please come this morning and speak through your word and make us the people you want us to be. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So, to go back to the question I asked before we read the text, why, why do Christians go when we could stay? Why does missions exist? Here's why. Missions exists to spread God's praise to all peoples of the earth. Missions exists to spread God's praise to all peoples of the earth. So, God is the only God, and he is so great that he deserves to be praised everywhere. He deserves everyone to love him and trust him and praise him. And where that's not happening, Christians need to go and tell them about Jesus so that they can praise him too. That's why missions exist. Missions exist to spread God's praise to all peoples of the earth. So we're going to see that by looking at four truths from God's word this morning. So first... Everyone needs God's blessing. Everyone needs God's blessing. Look at verse 1. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. So the beginning of this psalm is a prayer for God to bless his people. May God, may God bless us. It's a prayer for God to bless us. And the psalms are like God's endorsed prayers. If you, if you see a prayer in the Psalms, it's got God's stamp on it saying, this is a good thing to pray. That's why I put it in the Bible. So, so we know that God is saying, it's, it's good to pray for me to bless you. It's okay to pray to be blessed. But, the, but it also assumes that God's blessing isn't something we all inherently, naturally have automatically, right? If, if we already had God's blessing entirely, we wouldn't need to ask for it. So God's blessing is something that's good for us to have but it's also something we're not necessarily born with. It's something that comes in later. But before we get too far along, we need to talk about what God's blessing is. Because there are a couple ways we can get that idea wrong. And one is to think of it mainly as a material thing, right? Like God's blessing is a big house and lots of money and happy kids and new cars. And that's, that's not really it. Lots of people have had God's blessing who don't have any of those things. But it's also not just kind of like a spiritual thing either. Some people think that when you're blessed by God, it's kind of this like warm, thankful, fuzzy you get on your inside. And that's, that's not it either. It's somewhere in between. So the easiest way to put it is that to have God's blessing is to have God giving you what is good, what you really need, what, what makes your life right, is to have God doing that for you. So the first people that God made, Adam and Eve, had God's blessing. They had it just by being made by him. So from their first breaths, they knew God as their father and as their king. They lived with him in paradise, in perfection, in the Garden of Eden. And their work was a joy. All their needs were met. They had a perfect relationship with God, perfect relationship with each other. There was no fear, no envy, no resentment. So they had, they had God's blessing. They had life as it was made to be. They were loving and being loved by God, enjoying family, enjoying community, enjoying God's creation. And the best part of the blessing was that they had a relationship with God himself. It wasn't all the stuff. All the stuff was blessing, it was good, but the best part was having God 
himself. And it's what's described here in verse 1 where he says, May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us. Last month, I traveled back to the U.S. for my grandmother's funeral. And I, so I flew into O'Hare in Chicago. My brother-in-law picked me up. We had like a four-hour drive back to where my family's home is. And as we drove, we had nothing but time to talk. And so we were talking about what made Granny so special, why she was such a special person. And one of the things that, um, that struck me was that when I was with my grandmother, I had her complete attention. So if, if, and this was true of all of her grandkids, if there was a TV on, she was ignoring it. If there was another conversation happening, she wasn't even part of it. To be her grandchild was to have her, her face entirely towards me. It, it, was, it was to have uh, her full attention, to experience her kindness, her love, her sympathy, her help. And that's what, it, that's what it's like to have God's blessing, to have God as your God. It's to have his face shining upon you, not his face against you, but his face shining upon you, looking to give what's good, looking to show love, looking to give strength, looking to help. So God's blessing is God giving us what's good, and that involves material things. God can bless you with a house. He can bless you with a husband or a wife. He can bless you with a sunset or with a great parking spot. All those things can come from God, but they're all secondary. The best part of having God's blessing is having God himself. So Adam and Eve had God's blessing, and they lost it. They forfeited it by going their own way instead of going God's way. And and they had to leave this perfect place where they lived. And their relationships got hard, and their work got hard. And the worst part of all was they were cut off from God, who is the best part of the blessing. And as you read the history of their family through the Old Testament, you see that their kids kind of go on and on, bad to worse to worse still. Hardly anyone seeks God or his blessing until God speaks to a man named Abraham. And this is what he says to him in Genesis. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And so all these generations had passed, no blessing, and then God says to Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give myself to you, and I'm going to use your family to extend my blessing everywhere, all the families of the earth. And then God did that. He blessed Abraham, and then he blessed Abraham's son Isaac, and he blessed Isaac's son Jacob, and then Jacob's sons became this great nation called Israel that God saved out of slavery, brought to himself, and then he he established them as this kind of beacon in the world from which people could know God and and know his ways. So God, God brought the people to himself, and he made this covenant with them, which we've been looking at in this series we just finished on after the Exodus. He made this covenant, this agreement with them, which is, If you keep the covenant, if you obey me, if you live my way, you'll have the blessing. And if you break the covenant, if you disobey, you'll have the curse. So if you obey, you're blessed. If you disobey, you're cursed. And that's a problem for us. Isn't it it, it a problem to think that the blessing comes through obeying? Because none of us obey God. None of us 
live the way God has called us to live. We don't use our money the way God has called us to. We don't use our time or our words the way God has called us to. We make things in the world more important to us than God. So if we're going to have the blessing, we, and everybody needs the blessing, if we're going to have what we were made for, which is life with God, it can't come through obeying. It has to come from somewhere else. So here's the second truth. Those who trust in Jesus have God's blessing. And now even, even the writer of the psalm knows that he doesn't deserve God's blessing. You'll notice that in verse 1 that he doesn't say, God, you need to be just and bless me. He says, may God be gracious to us and bless us. He doesn't ask for what he deserves. He asks for God to be gracious, for God to show him mercy, for God to give him what he doesn't deserve. So we've, we've sort of traced the story of God's blessing from the Garden of Eden to this point, and now we need to see where it points, where it leads ahead. So what you'll see as you move on after the Psalms is that God's people know where to find his blessing, but, but none of them live up to it. They, they fail again and again. They go after other gods. They mistreat each other. They forget what God has said. They just live how they want to live, and nobody lives up to what God has said until one person does, until someone comes into the world who always loves God with all his heart, Someone comes into the world who always loves his neighbor as himself, who, who so thoroughly represents God's character that he can say, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And that's God's son, Jesus. Jesus alone perfectly obeyed. Jesus alone earned the blessing. He alone deserved to have God's face shine upon him. But he chose instead to take the curse. He chose instead to take death when he deserved life. And as he hung on the cross, God's face, which should have been shining upon him, was turned away from him, which is why Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus willingly went to the cross out of love for us. Jesus took the curse so we could have the blessing. Paul says it this way in Galatians. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So Jesus, Jesus earned the blessing, but Jesus took the curse, so that we who deserve the curse could have the blessing. We could have God giving good to us, God giving himself to us. This means that you don't have to obey God to have his blessing. You don't have to obey God to experience his love. You can receive the blessing not through working, not through obeying perfectly, but through trusting in Jesus who took the curse for you. Jesus who earned the blessing and can give it to you. You can have God's face shining on you. You can have God as your father. You can have God calling you righteous. Not because you are, but because Jesus was on your behalf. God can embrace you as his beloved. You can know at all times, even in hard times, that God is with you and that nothing will ever separate you from his love. Because of what Jesus has done, you can have the blessing, not by works, but by grace, by putting your trust in Jesus. So those who trust in Jesus 
have God's blessing. Third truth, God blesses us to show himself to all nations. Look again at verses one and two. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that, so here's the purpose, your way, speaking to God, your way may be known on earth, your saving power to all nations. So he asks God to bless him. It's not wrong to ask God to bless you, but here's why we should want God's blessing. Not so that we can be comfortable, not so that we never need to worry about money, but so that God's way may be known on earth, his saving power among all nations. It's so that God might be known everywhere. One of the, one of the key words that comes up again and again and again in this psalm is the word all. So look at verse 2. You're saving power among all nations. Verse 3, let all the peoples praise you. Verse 7, let all the ends of the earth fear him. So God's desire is to be known and worshipped among all nations, everywhere on earth, every place where there are people. And when the Bible talks about nations, it doesn't mean like countries, like America or the Cayman Islands or Russia. That wasn't really how things existed at the time. It means like all the societies of people, every place that has, every group of people that has their own language and their own culture, their own um, government, their own way of doing things, all those people groups, God says he wants them all to know him and praise him, know his saving power. So we're not talking about like God wants to be worshipped in China. We're talking God wants to be worshipped by the 500 plus people groups inside of China. He wants every one of them to have people who love him and worship him and know Jesus. So if, if you're a Christian, you've been blessed, right? You have God's forgiveness. You have his love. You have God doing good to you. You have God himself. You've been, you've been brought to him through the death of his son. You'll have eternity with him. And what God has done for you, he wants to do for others. He wants to do it for your spouse. He wants to do it for your kids. He wants to do it for your neighbors and your coworkers. And he wants to do it for the Muslim Uyghurs in western China. And he wants to do it for the Gua in Nigeria. He wants to do it for the the Arab Bedouins in Saudi Arabia, God wants to be known and worshipped everywhere by all nations. And he wants to use you and me, he wants to use us to do that. Because this is what it says. It says, he says, um, bless us so that your way may be known among all nations. Bless us so that you're more praised. He's saying, your blessing of me should translate to more people worshipping you. So, How can that happen? How can it happen that God's blessing of us leads to more people worshiping him around the world? Well, one way is for people to just see what God has done for us. So we see this in verse 6 of Psalm 67. It says, The earth has yielded it its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. So when it says, The earth has yielded its increase, what he means is, we had a great harvest of wheat this year. God, God provided food for us. We live in this dry place. There's all these famines, and yet God gave us enough to eat. God has blessed us with enough to eat, and he's saying, now let everybody else see 
that God has provided for us and let them see that he's the real God. And so this can happen in your life when, uh, when God provides a job, when you're on the verge of having to leave island. You can, you can tell people about that, and they can see God providing for you, that he's the real God. He's the God who loves and cares for you. When God reconciles your distant marriage, you can, you can tell your neighbors, look what God has done for me. He's changed my marriage. He's changed my life. And they can see how God has blessed you and give him praise. <coughs> another, way, another way that God uses our blessing to make himself known is for you to use what God has generously given you, his blessings to you, to use those things to sacrificially love other people. So Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, he says, you are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before people that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. So, so loving people, doing good things for people to care for them leads to others giving praise to God. So when you're driving on the road and you see someone who needs a ride and they're going the opposite direction of home, but you stop and you take them, you sacrifice by using what God's blessed you with your car to serve them, you're, you're doing a good deed that gives glory to God. You're using what God has blessed you to serve others. So when, when families adopt children out of awful home lives and bring them into their loving home, they're doing good deeds that draw attention to God, that give him glory. When people from Sunrise give up a week of vacation and they go to Honduras and they sit in front of a Honduran family and they say, God loves you and you're valuable, how can we serve you? They're letting their light shine before people, that their good deeds might be seen and that people might give glory to God. So that's the second way our blessing can lead to God's praise. And the third way, the most important way, is, is for us to speak to people who don't know Jesus about what he's done. This is the Great Commission, right? Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. Tell them about me and teach them to obey. The greatest blessing we have is knowing God, and we can tell other people how they can know God too. So this can be the girl in the cube next to you at work. It can be the server you always see at Waterfront. It can be around here. That's part of what we're doing. But it also means that some people need to leave what's comfortable and go where people don't know Jesus at all. So I want to ask you and ask myself do you believe this? Do you believe that the reason God has blessed you, why he's given you what he has, materially, spiritually, why he's invested in you the way he has, why you have the experiences you have, why you have the knowledge of his word that you do, why you have the possessions you do, do you believe that God's blessing is so that he might be praised among the nations? Or do you think that those things are just for you? May God be gracious to us and bless us, make his face to shine upon us, that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. So, finally, what will happen if we play our part? Fourth truth, and finally, God's goal is to fill the earth with joyful praise. Look at verse 3. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. 
<coughs> let, <coughs> excuse me. let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. So this, this is where it's all been leading. The psalmist is saying, please bless me, God, so that your way may be known on earth. And the reason he wants God's way to be known on earth is when people know God, they're going to sing for joy. To know God is to be filled with such joy that you can't keep it in. It's to burst out into praise. <clears throat> so each night on the Honduras trip, while we were gone last week, every night after the day's work was done, we'd had our hot or cold shower, depending on the room, we would gather together and just talk about what God did that day, what encouraged us, who encouraged us. Um, and one of the, the key words, the words that echoed again and again and again and what we shared was the word joy, that we were experiencing incredible joy in serving, incredible joy in doing really hard things. One of the things that kept coming up, we kept talking, especially, especially the first couple days, people kept saying, like, my face really hurts because I've been smiling so much. Like, I, I can't even relax anymore because I'm so happy. And that's what it is to be a Christian, right? To be a Christian is to have joy that the world can't take away because you have a treasure that can't be stolen. You have a salvation that can never be lost. It's to have a joy that nothing can touch. And, and in the places where Jesus isn't known, people don't have that joy. They don't have joy. They don't have true joy because they don't have the true hope that we do that nothing can separate us from the love of God. These people, um, in so many places, like Honduras, their lives feel meaningless, and their governments are corrupt, and their communities are ravaged by disease, and the religion they were brought up in reminds them of their guilt, but doesn't give them any hope of mercy or grace. <clears throat> it's, it's a dark place. And when Christians come in carrying this joy, they come in, they're carrying their joy like a torch, like a light into a dark place. They just, they're magnetic. When joy, when joy comes in where there's no other joy, it draws everybody's attention to it. And our joy is infectious because anyone can have it through faith in Jesus. They don't have to become Caymanian or American. They don't have to turn their whole life upside down. They need to trust in Jesus and that joy can be theirs. And when they have that joy, they're going to sing. They're going to break out in praise to this God who sent his son to die so they could become God's children. I have a suspicion that one of the reasons we don't really like to talk about Jesus with people is because we think that at bottom, Christianity is essentially bad news. We think that, well, you know, Christianity is really about how God is angry with everybody and wants to send everybody to hell and everyone needs to stop doing everything they enjoy and they need to come to church every Sunday and then they won't go to hell. And that's, that's the Christian message. And there's, there's little bits of truth in there, but it, it twists the whole thing around. The good news of Christianity is an invitation to joy. It's saying the God who made you for himself loves you and even though you've turned away from him and you have trampled all over his word and you've lived your own way, he sent his son to die so that you could be forgiven and you could be brought in, that you could, you could know God, fountain of all joy. It's good news. 
It's, it's this news that you can, you can be loved by God with a love that the Bible says is better than life. That's the Christian message. It's, it's inviting people to joy. And when, when they understand that, they're going to break out in song. And if, if we are, keep thinking that Christianity is essentially bad news about how God is a killjoy who wants you to stop everything fun in your life, then we're not going to have any joy, and we're definitely not going to want to tell anybody about that because who wants to put that chain around their neck, one that we don't even want to carry ourselves? But when we recover the good news of Christianity, that God saves us by grace, that Jesus has done everything for us, that we can come back to God, we're going to have joy, and we're going to love to talk to people about it because we love to talk about what we enjoy. So this psalm shows us that God pursues his own praise. He blesses us so that the nations will be glad and praise him. And I wonder if that sounds a little selfish to you. Like that, we wouldn't love that in a normal person, right? We wouldn't love a person whose main goal in life was, I want everyone to sing my praises. That, that wouldn't seem entirely healthy. And so we're not so sure, like, is that okay, that God wants everyone to praise him? But what if I say it this way? God wants to make you so happy that you can't help but sing. He wants to give himself to you such that you're so full of joy that you can't help but sing his praises. Does that sound selfish to you? Or does that sound like love? God knows that the greatest joy in the world is found in knowing him. And he wants to give that joy to all the peoples of the earth. And and he's so committed to it that he gave his greatest joy, his own son, to die so that the nations could be glad. He wants the nations to be glad and he wants to use us. So as we close, let's get practical. How can we, how can each of us here in Cayman play our part? There are three main ways each of us can participate in God's mission to make the nations glad in Jesus. First, we can pray. We can pray just like the psalmist prayed. The psalmist is praying to God, God, let the peoples praise you. He's praying, let the nations be glad. And so we can pray too. We can pray for the people around us. I mean, Cayman is a crazy place, right? We have 58,000 people and over 100 nationalities. People come here from places where they've never heard about Jesus or they've only heard lies about Jesus and they come here and they might be in your apartment complex and they might be in your, your group at work and you know the good news they're dying for not knowing. So pray that God will give you opportunities to talk about Jesus to the people around you and pray for our mission partners. Pray for Joe and Belkus. There's a list on our website of of the people we support in mission. Find their names. Pray for them that the nations would be glad because of what they're doing. So we can pray. And we can give. We can use the money, the time, the abilities, the resources God has blessed us with to advance the good news about Jesus. We can give to earthquake relief in Nepal. We can give to ministries like Tree of Life in Honduras, caring for those no one else is caring for. We can give to those who are moving their families to plant themselves among people who don't know Jesus, where there's no 
Christian reaching out to their own neighbors. So we can pray and we can give and we can go. We can go for a short trip like the one we just came back from to to see what God's doing, to get a vision for the world, to come back and encourage the church. We're going to send another team to Honduras in October. So maybe one real concrete application of God's word for you is start making plans for October. And we can, we can go, not necessarily as kind of full-time missionaries, but you guys in Cayman have incredible skills. You have these real specialized things that you can do in places where they won't allow missionaries to come, but they would welcome an accountant or a lawyer. So you could, you could move to China or Saudi Arabia or Dubai, and you could be a light for Jesus in your job, in your neighborhood. And maybe... God does want to send some of you, some of us this morning, full-time somewhere for the gospel. Brian and I pray for that all the time, that God would raise up some of you to leave and not come back to go somewhere where nobody knows about Jesus. So we can pray, and we can give, and we can go. But what we can't do, now that we've seen God intends to use us to be praised among the nations, is nothing. So let's pray. Our Father, we just, we just want to echo what you've already said in your word. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. We pray that you would use us, use what you've done in our lives, use what you've given us. Use us so that you receive the praise you deserve everywhere. God, we, we love to worship you. We know that you're pleased with worship. We're so excited to do that in about two minutes. <coughs> and we want, God, we want you to be receiving that everywhere. We want the people who are dying without you to know you and to give thanks to you and to, to be so moved at what Jesus has done that they break out in praise. God, we want the world to be full of praise. We want, we want the, the earth to be filled with the knowledge of your glory as the waters cover the sea. And so God, please use us. Please use us so that more people in the world know Jesus and worship you. We pray in his name. Amen.